yeah. <laughs> it's just epic. <laughs> as much as I hate to lose the laughs. The kids can go to kid, kids' church. I just, I mean, I love the laughs, you know? You guys bring the energy, guys. But the kids can all meet John over there. They got great stuff for you over there. Lots of fun. Have fun. I just expect high-pitched giggles from everybody else, too, you know, as you're, especially the guys. <laughs> So good to see everybody. Once again, it's great to be back. So, question for you. How many of you like to know the rules of what's going on ahead of time? You like to know the unspoken rules? So, I'm going to break a rule. There's a game we play. We've played with a few people. And, like, the, it's against the rules to tell the rules of the game. Like, it's even against the rules for, to tell me, to, for me to tell you that you can't tell the rules of the game. That's, like, one of the r- rules of the game is you're not allowed to tell other people that you're not allowed to tell them the rules. It's like against the rules. It's a great game, so much fun. It's so much, I know, my wife's like, can't believe you did that. But you gotta play it with us some time. It's great to see people's personalities come out because some people absolutely love the game. They think it's the greatest game ever. And other people are like, this is the stupidest game I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it drives them crazy. And so we like to know, you know, what is expected of us. We like to know the, um, the, yeah, the, um, the unwritten rules, we like to know what's fair. As we went to uh, Madagascar for our, our trip over there, they let us know a few things ahead of time, like it is considered rude not to greet everybody. Always. You just greet everybody. You say hello to everybody. And uh, you just wave, you smile, because you could just lose your best friend ever by not greeting them, because to not greet is rude. Uh, when I had a chance to go to El Salvador many years ago, they let us know. They said, okay, guys, this is important for you guys. If other guys like you, like as a friend, they're like they're your buddies, they will rub your stomach. And so like they'll put their hand, they'll, they'll like rub your stomach. They'll put the, and so like girls, they did, they're like, you don't have to worry about that. But the guys, and they did, it was the strangest thing because like these guys would come up, hey, Dwayne, and they're like, they're like you know, and they're just rubbing you. You're like, okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, <laughs> My, my friend was, uh, spent some time in Vietnam, and she is a, she's a tall, blonde lady. And um, she's like, I hate going to market because the Vietnamese people are short. And she's like, so I stick out like a sore thumb. And they all, they all look at me, and she said, they, they point out that I'm tall. They always say, oh, you're so big. You are so big. And these clothes are large, but they will not fit you. You are so big. And so it was just, she's like, yeah, it was not, you know, those are the, the things we don't um, enjoy. My, my, my father lived in Germany for a while, and so when my daughter was, my oldest daughter, Levita, was a baby, we got to go visit. And, you know, we, we believe in lines, you know, you, you travel, we just spent some time traveling for the missions trip to Madagascar. You stand in lines, you follow the instructions. So my wife and her kids were standing there waiting for the pre-boarding for the little kids and like this lady gets up and starts talking about pre-boarding and everybody in the entire airport I'm pretty sure all gathered around our gate and we're just standing there like how are we supposed to pre-board and the lady over the intercom because she could tell she's like she could tell we were from the United States so she starts speaking in English you need you polite Americans in the back you need to be like rude Europeans and just push your way forward they'll move out of your way you have babies we need you on the airplane and so we're like okay and we did we're like we started walking and they moved it was the strangest thing. We're like, okay, so this is, you know, we like to know the rules. You kids on a playground, they are rules, you know, you get in, and if the, if the rules are broken, you hear those wonderful words, that's not fair. It's not fair. My kids, 
My kids say that every once in a while, or they'll try to. They've learned not to say that because we'll just tell them, you know, life's not fair. Actually, my snarky, you may not know this, but I have a snarky, sarcastic side. <laughs> my kids know. So like when they, when they say things like that's not fair, I'll just say, well, that's because I like them better than you. And so, it, you know, my snarky, sarcastic side has got me in trouble a few times over the years, but it's fun. And so, but we, we like fair. We like to know what the rules are. We like to know what's expected. And so we have been unpacking, unpacking the summer stories of the kingdom, um, parables in the book of Matthew. And throughout the entire book of Matthew, there's kind of these pictures. Jesus uses this phrase a lot. The kingdom of God is like. And he kind of lets us know what God's kingdom is like. And so this parable we're going to look at, there is a piece about it. It is a weird parable. And it's a weird parable, and you get to the end of it, and you're like, there's something weird about that. I don't know that it's fair. And even the people in the parable are like, that's not fair. That's not right. And they kind of have this angst about it. They're like, I don't like this. And so, and, and so it's, it's great because um, there's, there is this uneasiness, angst about it, but yet when you really start to, to think about it and how it is in the big picture of the kingdom of God, it is such a very cool parable. So I had the chance to actually speak on this parable 26 years ago. I uh, was in a class, and it was assigned to me to speak. And so when Pastor Dave and I, because he like gave us these parables, he's like, I'm going to be gone this week. I want you to speak on this parable. Is that all right? I looked at it. I was like, hey, I did this one once. I like, got an A on that grade. I mean, it was great. It was, I got an A. I got great feedback. I loved it. I was so excited because I did not get a lot of A's. And so when I got them, it was a big celebration. And so I was very excited about that. And, and so I'm, I'm hoping... You know, I get an A again today. I've, the, uh, the one I did then was seven minutes long, and so I'm pretty sure I've already passed that, so sorry about that. But this will be good. I promise this will be great stuff, just as good as 26 years ago. And so this morning as we look at this, you know, we've been looking at stories of the kingdom. Now, as people approach the Bible, they often will approach it, and this is something, unfortunately, uh, through... Bible studies and church and Sunday school classes, we often unintentionally do this, um, is we will hand people just a piece of the Bible, and they think that all they need to know about that piece of the Bible is found within that piece. Or all they need to know about the Bible is found in that piece. Like, I can just take that piece by itself. We approach the Bible like potted plants. I got this plant. I can enjoy it. Everything I need to know about the plant is there. But really, and I love this analogy I heard once, was the Bible is more like an aspen grove. If you know anything about aspen groves, an aspen does not, unlike, unlike the, um, the hickories or the acorns where they send out a seed, aspens actually send out um, runners. So the roots go, shoot, and then another aspen grows up. So an aspen grove is actually every aspen is connected to all the others in the grove. You can look at one aspen tree and you can enjoy its beauty, its leaves, and all that shade, but they are all connected to each other. And the same is true for the Bible. You know, as you look at one piece, it's just a part of a whole. And so this morning, as we look at this parable in, in Matthew chapter 20, as we look at this and unpack this parable, it's a piece of a whole big picture. Because the book of Matthew is telling the story of the kingdom of God. So the people of Israel had been looking for the restoration of the kingdom. The prophets had said, you know, hey, um, you know, God will return his presence to the temple. The, the people of Israel will be restored, you know, this whole. So they've been looking for this. They've been looking forward to this. And Matthew 
talks, and we know that Matthew um, was written to a Jewish audience mostly because he uses a lot of terminology and things. He doesn't explain the terminology, he just kind of assumes the audience knows what he's talking about. And the structure of it is really cool. There are, there are people who believe, like, yeah, you kind of follow the structure. It's got a very um, Old Testament feel to it in its structure. Because in, in the, um, in the uh, first five books of the Old Testament, especially in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, there's teaching and travel, teaching and travel, teaching and travel. You've got, you know, you've got some laws, they have laws, and they do some traveling, you have some laws and travel. And Jesus, in the book of Matthew, it's the same thing. After you get past the birth narrative, he gets into this teaching, the, uh, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, and then he's traveling. And then there's some teaching, and then some traveling, and some teaching, and some traveling. And so as, as it's put together, you know, a lot of... A lot of um, commentators and stuff. They said it has a very Old Testament feel to it, which would make sense if it was written to a audience, Jewish audience primarily. And so as you read it, Jesus is constantly traveling. And we read, we'll get into Matthew chapter 20. He's actually traveling towards Jerusalem, which we, to, towards the Passion Week, towards you know, his crucifixion. In fact, as you look at the big picture of this parable, after the parable, he gives the clearest prediction of his upcoming death um, to his disciples and tells them in the most clearest words possible what is happening. He's going to suffer and die. And so he, he makes the statement several other times, but this statement after this parable is kind of the clearest statement of it before he heads into Jerusalem. And so we've been looking at parables. And um, the first week... Um, Pastor Dave launched off the series with Improving Our Hearing, talking about the parable of the sower and the seeds, and, and talking about, you know, as we, we, need to be, we need to improve our hearing of the word, and how are we receiving the word. And as we, as we look at the, the kingdom of God and how, how God's kingdom should operate in this world, you know, are we, are we listening for what God has to say to us? The next week, he talked about the, weed, the parable of the wheat and the weeds and dealing with weeds. And his big idea that week was the power in us is greater than the power against us. So as we listen to his words, we know that God's power in us is strength. He gives us the power to handle the things against us. Um, then the following week, uh, Pastor Adam talked about the parable of the unmerciful servant and the, how the kingdom of God models how to show mercy to others. So these are all pieces of a big picture of what the kingdom of God is, looks like. And so as we head into this parable, it's called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And it's found in Matthew chapter 20. But as we head into it, Jesus has been kind of doing all this teaching. And, and there were some things going on. And I, oops, I need my Bible app. I think I left my phone in the car. So one second here, let me pull up my Bible app. But as, he's been, as he has been teaching... And traveling, he's been doing some miracles, and he's had some things going on. And he had, there's this whole, sit, this whole series of um, things where he begins to talk about the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he brings out this child and said, Here's what's the, here is what is, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Become like a, ch a child. And he kind of sets this child in front of them. And so then, but then the, it doesn't end there. There's more conversations about what it means to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And they were wanting signs and all this stuff. And, and so he talks about the children and talks about causing them to stumble. You don't want to cause the children to stumble. And he gives some great, um, like I said, it's a lot of teaching. He has teaching on divorce, the little children. And then he, he has this, there's this situation where this guy comes up and he's a rich man. And he comes up to Jesus and he's like, hey, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom? 
And Jesus um, rattles off several of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and then as an extra bonus he throws in there, love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy, young man's like, I've kept all these. I've done all this. And then, you know, he's like, what do I still lack? And I always think it's interesting, so this story, if the guy had just stopped there, if he just stopped there and said, okay, okay, I will continue to do that. I've done that, but I'm going to continue to do that. But he's like, no, I'm, I'm missing something still. And Jesus said, okay, here's what you need to do. If you want to be perfect, which is such a great, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. And he goes away sad. And we, you know, if anybody spent time in the Bible or in church, you've heard this story. And he's like, you know, and, and Jesus makes these statements like it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And his disciples are like, so what then? He's like, you know, with God this is impossible, or with man this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. It's such a great statement. And the disciples are like, okay, but what about us? We gave up everything. We're following you. And Jesus is like, hey, you're going to get to... And he makes this really interesting statement about them judging the 12 tribes and stuff. But you, and, and how they'll sit on thrones. And he said, but then he, he rounds the whole thing off at the end of chapter 19 with this verse. He said, but many who are first will be last. And that's the first verse slide I got there, Logan. Um, Proverbs, or Proverbs, Matthew 19, um, 30 says, But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. It's such a, such a maybe I don't have that one, sorry. Um, but that's okay. Um, so it's such an interesting statement. So if you did not know this, the chapter and verse breakups of the Bible came hundreds of years after the completion of the scriptures. And so they were not included in them originally. So sometimes as we're reading it, we make these stops at the ends of chapters, not realizing that it's kind of a continuing thought. And so what's interesting about the verse 30 of chapter 19 is the same shape and form of that statement is found at the end of the parable we're going to unpack, where he says, you know, the last will be first and the first will be last. And it kind of forms this sandwich around this parable. And so as we, as we look at this parable, because like I said, we're painting a large picture of what the kingdom of God looks like, not just in this parable, but throughout the whole of Matthew, all the Gospels, Acts, and all through the Old and New Testament of what does God's kingdom, what are his people supposed to look like and do? Because I love this statement. And I've heard, heard this statement, just it, is God's, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. So we have our kingdoms of this world. We have our, you know, our nations. We have our homes. We have our kingdoms of our households. We have our, our kingdoms. And, and we, we operate in ways that we believe things should be operated in. And they were doing that back then just like they do now. And they were operating in certain ways. And Jesus came around and said, you know, and you get this in his teachings. You've heard it said, but this is what I tell you. You've heard it said. This is what I tell you. As his teachings and everything, he's like, this is how the kingdom of God is operating. And to, to, our, to our kingdoms that we form, a lot of times it seems it's got this tension because the world outside of us says we need to operate in one way. And God's saying, hey, I want you to operate in another way. 
And so he makes this statement. Many are last will be or many are, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. And then he goes into this parable. For the Matthew chapter 20, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed them to pay, he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So, just a denarius is a day's wage. If you were a a soldier or something like that, you'd get a denarius for a day's wage. It was, a, it was not cheap or overly generous. It was a day's wage. Uh, now, one of the interesting things about um, hiring workers or day workers is um, just like just now as in then, there was no guarantee of work. Um, you know, a soldier, they were usually guaranteed food and lodging. You know, wanted to keep the army happy. Otherwise, as you look at history of Rome and other nations, if the army wasn't happy, they might just revolt. Um, so they fed them and clothed them and gave them places to sleep. Um, slaves in a household during then, they would usually be guaranteed a place to sleep and food. So, but just a worker who had no place to go but the marketplace to look for work, not guaranteed this. So is a place where people would go and get work in a denarius. It's a good, it's a good generous day's wage. So the landowner goes out and he's like, okay, I'm going to hire some workers. So about nine in the morning. So the day went from about 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's 12 hours. And so the first hour, that's why in Jesus's crucifixion, it says it was about the third hour. And so that would have been, you know, in the afternoon. So you get the first hour, 6 a.m. So about nine in the morning, it's the third hour. Um, he went out again about noon and about, whoops, yes, first, uh, half, second half of verse 5. So he went out again, yeah, oh, there we go, verse 3, I'm sorry. About 9 in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go, work in my vineyard, now we'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about 3 in the afternoon and did the same thing. So about 5 in the afternoon... Towards the end of the day, about five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. So it's kind of interesting because you think, um, now how, you may not realize this, but I am not the, um, I have not always been the, um, a physically athletic uh, person you see before you. Um, I was a scrawny little thing. Um, okay, I'm, yeah, but <laughs> not not the uh, yeah not the um, uh, the the vision of uh, sports agility and stuff like that. Um, my feet grew faster than the rest of me, and I tripped over everything. In fact, it was so pronounced that uh, my uh, my own mother, bless her heart, um, she agreed with me on my clumsiness. Because when I was looking for a job at 16, she's like, hey, Denny's is hiring servers. You should go get a job. I said, Mom, this may have escaped your notice, but I'm not the most coordinated of people. I don't think serving people's food in a restaurant is a good fit for me. And she agreed with me. She goes, yeah, you're probably right. And so, that's, so the workers at the end of the day, they're not going to be your great work. I mean, other people would have come and hired out the workers, and these people have been standing around for 11 hours now waiting for work. And so here they are at the end of the day. No one's hired us. And he said, you go work in my vineyard. So evening came, and the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers 
and pay them their wages beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. So the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made, us, made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Don't you, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am, so, because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first last. What a weird parable. I mean, really, it's a little weird. By itself, it's like, what in the world? And it's, it's interesting. So Pastor Dave, you may not know this, Pastor Dave has some incredible, an incredible library of books. He's got some great resources. As if you're ever like, hey, I would love to study the parables. He's got like a, he bought this huge book all about the parables. It's fascinating. So when, when I was going to share this, he, he, had the, he sent, sent us a text message. He's like, I've got this huge stack of books on my desk, some resources for you to look at. And so pulled these out and I'm reading this parable because like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a weird one, and, uh, but that's okay because there are many times that some of the parables, you approach them, you're like, what? You know that the people who understood it, because as you read the gospel account, the people, he made the people mad, they were angry, and you read some of them, you're like, okay, I don't get it, but apparently it's pretty clear to the people who were listening to it the first time because they're all mad at Jesus now. So he said something that really upset them. And so some of them are like that. And so as I was reading through this, it was so interesting because over the cent- it's got, he's got this great book that over the centuries it tells how people have looked at this. And so many of them have looked at the workers, like, who are the workers? You know, who's the first ones? Who's the last ones? And, you know, and taking it in context with what was going on before and after and, and all that stuff. And, and as I was reading this, and a, couple of the, a couple of them is, is talking about the landowner. I was like, man, that landowner, there's just... That landowner is so incredibly generous. What a great statement of the kingdom of God and the generosity. And it's so interesting because, as I said, as as you read the stories beforehand, there is this great um, thing with the rich man and his, you know, and he goes away sad. And there's so much of the, the, the narrative of Jesus saying, follow me, follow me, and many leave him and all this stuff. And then you go through this parable, and they head into, because they're traveling, they head into Jericho. And within Jericho, there's this fantastic story of these two blind men. And they were like, what do you, he's like, what do you want? He said, I want to, they want, I want to see. And he heals them, and they follow Jesus. And, you know, there's this, this big picture of the kingdom of God. Because as, as I was going through this, and I'm like, you know, what, what is the most important thing as we take away from this? You know, I'm reading the parable, and Levita and I spent some time talking. I thought, you know, what would be useful? You know, what would be as you, as you approach this? Because there's some great stuff in there. 
But it's an approach to the thing, okay, for Barb, what's useful for Barb this week? You know, what's useful for Eric? What's, what is useful to take away and help as we're in our journey with Jesus? As we approach all of life this week, because we know that the predictable and the unpredictable will fall upon us as we journey through life this week. And as we're doing this, and the kingdoms of this world are, you know, giving their say to our lives, what is the thing that we could take away from us, take away with us today that says, that this will, you know, as I'm journeying along this week of, of walking with Jesus, of learning to be more like him. And it was, it was, it was the generosity of the landowner that just came back again and again and again. And I'm like, you know, there's just, you just, everything about the kingdom of God, everything about the story of who, what Jesus came to do, what God wants to do in this world, goes against the mentality of the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world say resources are finite. You need to hold on to what you got. You need to, you know, and it, it's so interesting because it, it is very politically correct in the social media world right now to um, talk about giving and helping people and stuff like that. But what is politically correct and what actually happens in people's lives tend to be two different things. Because, you know, we get, we get so swamped with the noise of this world. And the thing that Jesus was constantly worried about, was constantly talking about, is people's hearts. Because as you read the big story of just, and just Matthew, as you read the big story of Matthew, and, and, and the, the, heart, the issues was the heart. In all of Jesus' teachings, it just came back to, you know, this... This issue, because he like he took the bar. He's like, you've heard it said. Well, this is what I say. You've heard it said. This is what I say. You've heard it said. This is what I say. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. You know, even the whole thing with the child, because we adore our children, right? You know, we love our kids. We dote upon them. It is very important, you know, in our culture. We give them preeminence and sometimes, unfortunately, authority in our homes. You know, and the, the ability to shape and control lives, which is a totally different sermon aside from itself. But, you know, they, they, we love our children. You have to understand that what Jesus was saying when he said a little child amongst these people and said, become like one of them. Children were not seen or heard from within that culture. You know, often they didn't receive names very early on because they may or may not live the death rate of children was just, the mortality rate was awful. I mean, because so you didn't know if your kid was going to live, so. Um, and, you know, they, they were not given authority or preeminence. Now, within the Jewish culture, they had a whole lot more than within the surrounding Roman and Greek cultures. But still, children were, just as the saying, old saying goes, seen and not heard. Um, you know, and so Jesus switches everything up, sticks a kid in the middle of all this, and says, you want, it, you want to know how to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Become like a child. The last will be first. The first will be last. Totally against the kingdoms of this world and what they would say. And see, this is the thing, as I was, as I was like 
God, what, what can we take away from this today? And the thing that kept coming out is God is generous. He operates with a generous open hand, giving and giving and pouring into our lives. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to do the same, to, to be, I've heard it said, to be a, a, a conduit of his mercy and love. He flows into us and we flow out and he flows out to the world through us, through his people. And I know the world shouts their priorities. Life shouts its priorities. One of, one of the things that I find extremely um, therapeutic and relaxing is I love to cook. I like to cook. I enjoy it. It's relaxing. It's fun. I'm not a good teacher when it comes to cooking. I can, I'm, I, like, I can go to the kitchen. I can look at what's in the cupboard, and I can throw things together, and I know it'll taste amazing. If nobody else likes it, I'll like it. So, you know, a little extra garlic, it'll be amazing. Um, and, so, and so I don't... I don't always do well with other people in the kitchen. <laughs> my kids know this. My wife knows this especially. Because uh, I don't know what to do with them. What are you doing in here? Go. Um, and so, so like even like, uh, and my, my kids are so gracious because, you know, they just, they want to help out. And, uh, and I, I have to like remind myself that it's so important to let them help out and, and do stuff because my, my world is screaming yeah, you know what, you're stressed out and stuff like this. And the love of God is saying, you know, this is more important. And so that's the, that, that is the thing in our lives, is so much the world and it's, it's the stress and the worries as, the, as the, our launching parable in this series. The worries and cares of this life choke out the word. It chokes out the kingdom that God wants to bring to this earth in us, and through us. And we have to constantly keep ourselves in check and say, God, let, help me to operate with the generosity that you operate with, with the loving kindness that you operate with to those in my, in my little kingdom of my home and the bigger kingdoms of the work and community and everywhere I go. And it can seem like a daunting task, especially once you get past the home, like it's a huge thing and we want, to, we want to show God's love. But you know what the great thing about this is? Is we don't have to do this alone. So last week my wife showed this picture. There's a picture, Logan, I asked you, I told you about. She showed this picture when we were in Madagascar. We got a chance to go hand out safety glasses to these thousands of people. So this is a rock quarry. If you weren't here last week, this is a rock quarry. We, got to, we handed out 1,700 pairs of safety glasses um, to people in this rock quarry. And they like women, men, children, old, young, all this all day long, smashing rocks. And it's just rocks. They're not like even mining for anything. They're rocks, they're like, they do stones that are about this big for foundations, and then the rest they smash into little tiny rocks and put them in bags, and they sell the bags. There are companies that buy the bags. And so they will sit there all day long, just They have this little, either with their hand around the rocks so it won't fall off, or with this little circle thing that they put the rocks in. And so all day long, some remember the, you know, all day long. So we got a chance to go hand out safety glasses. And for one person, crushingly overwhelming. You can't do it. But as a group of people, we were able to hand out 1,700 pairs within a couple hours. 
and talk to people on the way. And each of us got to try smashing some rocks, which is really hard work for, it was hard work for me for 10 minutes. Um, you know, them doing it all day long is just crazy. And, but this is, this is a beautiful picture of the world because it's overwhelming. The job before us is so crushingly overwhelming. But that's why we have the church, the body of Christ, the family of God. That's why we have each other is so that together we can reach this world with that open-handed generosity that God calls us to, that he offers to us and that we offer to each other and to the world because we have each other. Such an amazingly beautiful picture of the kingdom of God, God's upside-down kingdom that he wants us to operate in. He wants us to share and give and show his love. And I love it. There's a verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, that says this. Referring to God, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? How will he, the Father, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? It's as we operate through our lives, as we move through our lives day to day to day to allow the kingdom of God, God's open-handed, gracious generosity to operate through us, to each other, to our communities, to our families. That, that I was like, you know, if, if we could together take anything away for this week, just God, this week, help me to... Live your kingdom, this piece of your kingdom, because I know it can become overwhelming, especially when you try to do everything. But just this piece, this week, God, help me to live that in my home, to those around me, that they will see you in me. So what we're going to do is, uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to close with a song called I Surrender. I just encourage you this morning to make this your prayer. God, I want to know you more. I surrender. I love this song because it is. It's such a beautiful prayer. And so this morning, just to encourage you to, as we sing this song, to allow God to speak to your heart. It's, you know, maybe challenge you, like, how have, how have you been operating within the kingdom of God? Maybe, you've been, maybe the whole world has been in its, its voice. Things around us have been crushing God's kingdom in your heart and life. And this morning, you're like, God, I need to just once again surrender it all to you and allow you to your kingdom to rule and reign in my life. You know, maybe it's been going great. And you're like, you know, the prayer is, God, how can I continue to offer? Because if it's going great at some point, life brings the good and the bad and the ugly. But Jesus is faithful and he is with us. And so when the difficulties come, just pray for his strength. But in the midst of it all, being able to pour his kingdom into those around us, to each other and to our community. Because the beauty of the gospel is that the world would see him in us, his people. We shine brightly so that the world may see. Let's just invite you to stand as we close in prayer and sing this song. Lord, once again, thank you so much for who you are.
We're so grateful for your love for us. And Father, just pray that you would help us to to surrender it all, to not allow the kingdoms of this world to shout louder than you, but to hear your voice in the midst of in the midst of the chaos and to take your open hand of generosity and share it with those people around us. To see those who just, who feel like nobody hears, nobody knows, nobody sees. To know that, to let them know that you do see, you do hear. You see us all. Thank you so much for that. Help this song to become our prayer, Lord, our constant prayer. As I surrender. Thank you,
like a rushing wind, Jesus breathe within. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. Like a mighty storm, stir within. Lord, have your way in me like a rushing wind. It's like a rushing wind. Jesus, breathe within. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. to the world an upside-down kingdom, something that doesn't make sense, and yet when we live in your kingdom, everything makes sense. Hope is found. The impossible with you is possible. Life is found. Father, just pray that you'd help us to live in that kingdom day by day by day when the world comes crushing in upon us that we would look to you surrendering to you living in your strength continuing to shine your light brightly to this world thank you that you see us, you hear us, you know us and that in you we have life and hope. And just as we go, Lord, pray that you'd continue to shine through us and that in the kingdoms of this world would know the kingdom of our God, would know you and see you in us. Thank you so much for who you are and your incredible love for us. In your name we pray.
Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here today. And just pray that you don't continue to just dive into the gospel of Matthew this week, read through it. Next week, my wonderful wife's going to share with all of us. So I'm excited to hear that. She gets to get all the books. I'm going to pass them on to her. And so just continuing this and just look at the parables and just continue to just ask the question, God, how can I help bring your kingdom to this world? So, but as you go this week, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. Go in his strength of his, go in his strength and in his might. Hug a few necks on your way out. God bless you and have a great week in him. And don't forget to let us know about family camp because we want you there and it's going to be amazing, even if you come for the days and the food. The food is amazing. So God bless you. Have a great week in him. <laughs>